This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris List from RedWire. The podcast is sponsored by FanDuel.com. You can go to FanDuel.com. Click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner. Use my code RWPOD and sign up now. Special offer for new users. You can get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. That's more than $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. As usual, I am joined by Dalton Del Don. And it's not by choice. It's because his parents pay a lot of money. That's they're actually the real sponsor of this podcast. But first of all, I thought we came into an agreement. My parents were, were going to pay more in order for you to not reveal that information live. That, that, at least that's in the agreement that I was that I was told. But yeah, my, that was that was the prior contract that expired, and uh, they declined to pony up for that extra bonus. So now uh, we still have you on, but we do acknowledge it. Okay. All right. Well, my daughter had a 104.1 degree temperature and, and bronchitis over the weekend, and, and she's feeling better now, but I am not. I, I'm, I'm not feeling great. Um, I'm kind of overdosed on some DayQuil right now, so we'll power through it. And uh, as you, you mentioned, not, not feeling great over last night's results, you talked me into Bernie, um, and I, I made a bet on him at plus 750, 100 bucks, and I uh, might as well have lit that on fire, it seems like. I, I'm not too optimistic. Um, even even what was it, um, Missouri? I mean, how 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 did that last eight percent go from him up two per, uh, you know eight percent of the votes coming in? He was up like two percent, and it looks like he lost by point oh two percent. So, you tell me. As far as I can tell, it looks like it's it's done for. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the math doesn't look good, but remember, she's won like twelve out of twelve southern states, and they are all finished. He's won like nine out of twelve non-southern states. You know, Missouri's basically a tie. Illinois is basically a tie. Uh, I think Ohio was the most disappointing because he could have won that, but she won it pretty decisively. So I think that one, I mean, when you look at the delegates, it's only, you know, 10 delegates here or there at each one. It's not like, you know, because it's it's proportional. So, you know, they always report on who wins the state, but really it's just the math. It's just the delegates. He'd have to crush in the remaining states, but they're all favorable to him. She's under investigation. Who knows what other shoe will drop and we'll see. I'm not, I'm all in, man. You know, I don't care. I don't really care until it's like officially clinched. I'm all in. So I don't care if we're 10 games behind with 12 games to go. I'm in. All right. All right. I am. And, I, and I'll, I'll throw out one more political thing and we'll get to some baseball. But I just floated this out on Twitter. You know, like, so, she, so Clinton uses this server for her personal email. I'm not sure what the motive was or if she's ever really answered that. 
um, besides saying it was convenience, which doesn't really make that much sense. But there's been you know, national security experts say that her own server could easily get hacked by like a foreign adversary. Like it's not far-fetched at all. In fact, even government servers get hacked all the time. And if they did hack it, a government server, they might find out some stuff that we wouldn't want them to know. But if they hacked her server and found out some classified stuff they we didn't want them to know, but it wasn't like life-changing, they'd have something on her, right? They'd be like, whoa, you just sent classified information on your personal server. You could get indicted. But if you don't want us to say anything, just we won't, but just realize we're going to call in this favor later. I'm not saying that happened. I'm just saying it's not that far-fetched, right? I don't know if – did you see Homeland? Are you caught up on Homeland? Yes, yes. So in Homeland, like the double agent – I won't give it away for people who haven't seen it. She gets compromised because she's basically doing – like taking money from this Iraqi agent and the Russian – her Russian counterpart realizes that she's sort of embezzling money and could be tried for doing something illegal, right, by the CIA, by by the U.S., by the Justice Department. I like how you say no spoiler alert, but you reveal that it's a woman. Uh, well, uh, skip this if you uh, if you plan to watch the th- last season of Homeland. It was pretty good, I thought. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it picked. It was but, definitely. But the better. point the point is like that's how she got busted. She was doing something illegal, and the guy had something on her, and was like, "Hey, you know, you better do me a favor and start working for us." And then once you do a little bit, then you're even further in, and then you're basically just all in at some, a certain right. point. And I'm not saying this happened. I'm just saying that. It's not that far-fetched that it was hacked, and if it were hacked and you were the foreign government, you would say – you would probably try to, like, get something out of it, right? Right. Anyway, it just – it's very disturbing. We don't know what other shoe will drop, but likely it will not matter. I, I don't think that the Democratic establishment is going to actually prosecute her. I think they're rooting for her, and they're all kind of in it together. So I'd be shocked if they actually brought charges, even if she did have classified information. All right. Let's go on to some baseball. Um, before, before baseball, real quick, yeah. do, you, do you fill out brackets list? I did fill out a bracket. Uh, I also did a draft of players. Oh, nice. And I don't know a goddamn thing. I mean, honestly, it was just someone gave me a cheat sheet. I picked out, I, I bankrolled two teams, Utah and um, what's the other team I bankrolled? A better team than that. It was, um, who's the guy? What, what team is um, Buddy Heald on? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I bankrolled Oklahoma. Oklahoma too. Yeah, I have them going to the Final Four. So, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people have Buddy Heald. But, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't do a player thing, but I, I don't follow college basketball much either. But I, I get into the brackets. I do some studying, and I, I think it's fun to watch March Madness. So I was just curious if you if you filled one out. I, I love March Madness, and it's fun when you're in Vegas and you can bet on it, and I, I like watching it. But it's just I'm doing all this baseball, right? And I travel for, you know, I'm going to town, go to New York town, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And I just got back from Arizona a week and a half ago. It's just March Madness is just one extra thing that I, it's not good timing. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But it is a lot of fun. I mean, it's going to be tomorrow, you know, at 9 a.m. You know, on a Thursday, it's pretty cool if you're if you're around the house or or, or if you're in Nevada. I mean, it's, it is pretty fun. I mean, look, if if you're single and you you know have some disposable income and you can just like have drink and bet and play DFS. And have your tournament brackets and have your draft of college players and have your baseball drafts going and NBA DFS. I mean, it's great, right? Life's yeah, it's great. St. Patrick's Day, too, tomorrow. And it's St. Patrick's Day right yeah. on top of it. So you can get hammered. You can do everything, right? And if you're single and you don't have a lot of responsibilities and you have some disposable income, which those things don't always go together. <laughs> but if you do, then you're just, you know, you just live. You know, you're just happy as hell, right? I mean, if I were in college, I mean, I'm glad. The one I've said this on the XM show. I'm so glad that DFS 
and online poker and I mean online poker is kind of dead now, but you know in the day was and, not available. No, it was not available. Like, I actually had to like go to the gym and play pickup hoops all the time. Like I played a lot of basketball in college. And that was good. I should have done more. I was partying way too much, smoking too much weed, all that. Like, I wasn't, like, going skiing, although East Coast skiing is horrible. But, you know, I wasn't, like, out and about, like, enough. Like, I regret that I didn't, like, do more interesting stuff. Like, I didn't go abroad when I was in college, although I'm making up for that now. Um, but I, But if I had this, I would have done even less than I did. I would have been such a sack. You know, I would have just – it would have been the bong, the sandwich – and the DFS, and that would be it. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's, it's great to have, but it's also it's a curse. It's a blessing and a curse. Just like the gift of prophecy, which I have, it's a blessing and a curse, Dalton. Did you use that gift of prophecy in your uh, Beat Chris List uh, part league number two last I was yesterday? Like, I felt like I did pretty well in that. Um, and by the way, my gift of prophecy, I know what your demise is like, and it's going to be grisly. <laughs> That's just, I'll tell you that right now. How soon? I, can't, I don't want to tell you that. It's, it's not information I'm comfortable sharing, but I will tell you that it's grisly. <laughs> I'd have it no other way. Yeah, it's going to be bad. <laughs> it's not going to be pleasant. It's going to take a long time, and there'll be many uh, blood-curdling screams involved. But other than that, you'll be fine. So, all right, so... We uh, we did the, the beat Chris list two last night, and I drew the second pick. And I always want to get Kershaw, but I knew when I saw the guy who drew the first pick that I was not going to get him because the guy who got first is this guy Eric Heberlig. He's won the whole thing before the online, which is harder to win because there's like 2,500 teams. And he's also I think think won the draft champion. He's a very good player, but it's not so much that he's a good player; it's that I know he goes heavy pitching early, and there's no way he was passing on Kershaw. And sure enough, he took Kershaw. So I got stuck, unluckily, with Mike Trout at two. And how strong did you consider Harper? Uh, I would consider it. I got Harper in the last one at three because, I again, like I picked three, and I was like, sweet, I'll get Kershaw, and didn't even come close. So Remember, did that factor in your decision, kind of you know, spread it, hedge both Trout and, and yeah, Harper? a little bit. It was more – I don't really care either way, but um, two things happened. One is I'm not in love with taking the hitter there, but it would be Harper or Trout both over Goldschmidt. Um, and I would be happy with either, but also Trout's been talking at least about wanting to run more. And if he did steal 20 bases again, that really, you know, puts him pretty high up. Yeah. I think it's very, very close. I'm not sure who, whom I would go with, well, but obviously his tracker is a little bit longer, but Harper Brad three thirty last year. Exactly. Harper exactly. can steal 15 bases this year. And, um, you know, I mean, Trout hit 40 homers, but Harper, I would say, has more natural power, and Trout's in a pretty bad park and has a terrible lineup around him. I mean... You know, 330. Yeah, like, what does Trout hit? 295? Yeah, I mean, he could hit 305, and he's hit 323 before, so I'm not... You know, that fluctuates. I, I would project him at 300-ish. But, um, you know, 300 with 38 homers and 22 steals would be nice. I would take that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I think they're both going to be going to finish similar i'm just saying I, yeah. I i think it's definitely not a slam dunk I oh no it's not a slam dunk debate. and i mean some people like goldschmidt and even though it's i don't have the vibe with goldschmidt i can't really you know argue with it too much it's perfectly reasonable um anyway and so so that happened on the way back i thought i was going to maybe get two pitchers whenever this guy ever in the league everybody copies him and takes tons of pitchers um and i've been talking a lot about pitchers on the air and a lot of these beat chrysalis guys listen to me so I knew pitching was going to fly off the board, but then at two eleven, Posey was there, and I could have taken Chris Davis also, but I never get Posey because I'm 
just picking uh, early in my drafts, and it's not really my style to take him in the middle of the second round. But I just never seen him fall that late, so I was like, ah, screw it. I'll just take Posey. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. I wrote about him comparing him to Gronk as far as position, uh, you know, the difference between him and the next guy. And, you know, Posey didn't even have, like, an MVP caliber season last year. And when I wrote that article, I didn't even realize that last year he had the biggest discrepancy between him and the second person in his position. I just thought he was going to be this year, you know, with all the question marks with Schwarber, you know, playing time. And then after Schwarber, it's a total, like, who knows? I mean, people love LaCroix, but, I mean, he's coming off a down year, and, and who knows? Um, but did you realize that, that, that Posey was the biggest discrepancy last year in his position between number one and number two? Yeah, I didn't, but I'm not so sure that the one to two discrepancy is where we need to be looking because. Sure. But at the two catcher leagues, that's even more extreme. Right. But, but think of it this way. I mean, that is an interesting fact. Um, but think of it this way you know, Goldschmidt and Rizzo or Goldschmidt and Cabrera, or however you have it, they're not going to be a huge discrepancy. But that doesn't mean that there's not a huge discrepancy between them and. Say sure, sure. You know the the fifteenth, you know Mark Tashira or somebody. Um, it it just means that one and two. So you could have two great guys at the top of a position, uh, and you could look at it like second base, like Altuve and uh, and D Gordon are both very valuable. But that doesn't mean that that's not the end of the conversation. Really, that's just if you had two guys in all scrubs, then both those guys would be incredibly valuable. Right. I mean, but Posey is just, I mean, batting average gets, gets overlooked, and, and especially the difference in uh, with other catchers. I mean, I, I'm telling you, there, there, what, is, what is McCann, like a top five catcher, and he hits 225? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean Posey oh, is going to help your average significantly versus a regular player, let alone exactly, a catcher. Exactly. 310 career hitter. Um, I mean, the power is not going to be, you know, massive. He's never hit 25 homers, and it's a tough park. But uh, I just really love that. I mean, He's never hitting a lineup with Joe Panic at like a 380 on base percentage in front of him, Matt Duffy, and then guys behind him, you know, Pence and Belt. And he's going to, against lefties, he's going to move to first base. I mean, he only needs to play, you know, 110 games at catcher. So I think it's just a really, I mean, he's not going to be a full blown DH, but just entering his prime. I mean, I, I'm all, I'm, I'm a Giants fan, but I'm, I'm aboard this just objectively. I really like Posey in the late second round there. Okay, good. So, I mean, and I just thought it occurred to me, and I thought, you know, look, I'm in eight leagues every year. I'm not going to be dogmatic. I don't like to take catchers early, typically, but what the hell? I'm going to do it. The pitcher I wanted was actually Bumgarner, his battery mate, uh, because right. I, I, I went over all that tier of pitcher with Jeff on the radio, sort of like going over who does the best. And the thing about Bumgarner last year is he had a lot of double-digit strikeout games. He really upped the K rate um, to a level yeah. that he hadn't done before. And to me, he's kind of the poor man's Kershaw, the rock, you know, the guy that it's not about whether you know he's as good as Jose Fernandez, but – more that he's as reliable as Kershaw, pretty much. Like, he just does what he does every year. Such a horse. Yeah, he's a horse. And he only throws, like, 91, 92, and he's 6'4", 250. So it just seems like he's got that Sabathia thing going for him when Sabathia was good for so long, where you're this huge guy and you're not, you know, you're not winding up and trying to crank it to 95, that it just seems like he'd be more durable, too. Uh, yeah, I was worried about him at one point because he, like, led the league in sliders. But didn't they all of a sudden kind of uh, classified it as more of a cutter? So I have no idea what that means as far as uh, – I just think the evidence behind him now, you know, with that World, World Series run when he threw whatever, 260 innings, and then he came back last year was even better. I mean, this is country bumpkin who's just, you know, as you said, really big built. And I, I just think he's seemingly pretty safe health-wise, although he's dealing with, like, a foot and rib cage issue right, right now. He's already got something. But I looked up what a neuroma was. And it's like this nerve tumor. It's like a benign nerve tumor that grows and irritates you. But it doesn't sound like, 
it sounds like many of them are mild. And they said that he would have pitched through it if it were the regular season. And, and it's not. Had, and it's ahead. not. So I, I, I think he's. I think he's durable. I, I'm, I'm with you, but but I, I'm also with you in the fact that while Posey stands out so differently among catchers, um, I, I'm a Bumgarner Bumgarner guy, of course. But to me, these are all very similar pitchers: Bumgarner, Fernandez, Degrom. Uh, Harvey, Strasburg. I think all those guys, you could put them in a bucket and, and, and let my opponents pick them for me. Yeah. So I wanted Bumgarner, but I wasn't exactly that you know worried when he got taken. I just think he's safer. So I took Jose Fernandez. It was the guy I wanted last time and didn't get. And to me, if you if you were to give everybody the same number of innings, my pick, my rankings would be Kershaw then Fernandez number two. Yeah. No. So, so if we knew that every pitcher would pitch two hundred innings exactly. Uh, Fernandez would be my number two pick among pitchers. Yeah, no argument here. Okay. So I took him. It goes all the way up, all the way back. And I'm thinking – and the other reason I took Posey is that ah, maybe I'll get a decent pitcher in round four. The one guy that I almost took instead of Fernandez, believe it or not, you're not going to believe who it was, it was Syndergaard. I just started looking at him, and I was like, that guy throws like 97-plus. Um, he's just a straightforward power, power pitcher, old school. I just thought, like, in a way, I trust him more than DeGrom and Harvey and – he was very good in his first taste of action in the majors. I think he has the sort of the most growth among those guys. And I almost took him, but I thought, ah, there's like a 25% chance he comes back to me. There was no chance. Not only was he gone, Garrett Cole, Archer, Granke, Keuchel, Felix, and Lester all went before I got to pick again. So I took Puig, of course. Got into a Twitter argument uh, this morning with a guy who thought that was stupid, that I should have taken Lorenzo Cain, Justin Upton, or Cespedes instead of Puig. I disagree. I think Puig uh, is a 25-homer guy, even though he's never done it. I don't think that's even controversial if he plays a full season and that he's going to run with Dave Roberts as his manager, and we know he hits for average. So not worried about that. Round five, I took Cueto again. Hold on, hold on. on. Let me go over a couple of these things real quick. Um, First of all, I bought Syndergaard in labor, so I'm I'm with you there. Um, Another guy I really like, although I I, I tend to always lean toward NL pitchers, is Carlos Carrasco. I was on him last year. Um, and he quietly just had a ridiculous second half of the .9 whip. And that wasn't just, you know, trying to break down first half versus second half. I mean, it, it was translated with Lindor taking over shortstop and that defense improving. I think Carrasco is going to go nuts. You just look at the K percentage minus walk percentage and the swinging strike percentage. He's actually my pick to win Cy Young this year. And I actually made a small little bet on him at plus 750. I think he's going to go crazy. And, um, and Puig? Uh, look out for uh, dissenting opinions between me and Andy Barron's coming out on uh, Roto Arcade and, and Yahoo. Um, I'm, I'm with you on him. I was just looking into him a little bit when I wrote this uh, this debate with him. And, um, you know, as a 22-year-old, the guy posted a, an OPS in the, in the 900s. And, you know, he disappointed his sophomore campaign. But over his first two seasons in the league, he had the fifth best weighted runs created plus. I don't want to get into the, the math too much, but, you know, it's Fangraph's stat that basically just it strips all the context neutral, basically just says who the best hitter was, regardless of environment, defense, and base running, all that stuff. And the four ahead of him, Goldschmidt, Cabrera, Mike Trout, and um, who was the other one? McCutcheon. That's a pretty good company for his first two years in the league. Right, and he's a year closer to his prime. Mattingly, who's a douche and did not like him and would sit him, is gone. Dave Roberts, who is a stolen base guy who will probably run quite a bit more than Mattingly did. Mattingly was notoriously against sending uh, – Dodgers just did not steal a lot of bases. He may steal 20 bags under Dave Roberts. He's not an especially good base dealer, at least he hasn't been. Right. But he's 6'4", 250. I mean, there's no way this guy can't hit 30, 35 homers if things click his way. So 
Um, I'm expecting 25. I'm expecting 10 to 12 steals minimum, and I'm expecting a 290 batting average, but there's upside in every category. I mean, this guy to me has MVP ability, just skill-wise, in terms of how, what kind of hitter he is. He could hit 315. He could hit 40 homers, 35 homers. He could steal 20 bases. The skills are there for all of that. It's just he hasn't done it yet. But he's the right age. He's in the right environment now with, with a better manager. And I think, you know, guys get more mature as they get older. Guys, when they're 22 or a little bit, you know, he's a punk. He's in from Cuba. He's new to all the money and the culture and everything else. And now he's done it for a few years, and he's probably like, okay, he lost the weight they asked him to lose. He was like, I don't know why they asked me to, but I did. I just think this guy's going to have a monster year, and I'm willing to pay for it. And I don't even think I am paying for it in the end of the fourth round. Well, exactly. I mean, even when he, you know, he did not live up to the hype after his rookie season that, that everyone considers it a big disappointment that sophomore year, he had a 382 on base percentage and scored 92 runs, 16 homers and 11 bags, and fewer than 150 games. Right. I mean, he's hitting, hitting in the middle of a loaded Dodger lineup. And, and, and most importantly, as you said, his price right now, people are fed up with, with paying for that expectant, you know, that expectant breakout. He was a consensus second-round pick just last year. And the guy's, what, 24, 25 years old? And he's like 24th outfielder off the board in Yahoo leagues right now. To me, that's a gift. Right. This isn't paying for Kevin Gossman, who I did in the 18th round, and we'll have that. I had a big argument with Paul Sporer on Twitter about this. We'll talk about that later. But this is is paying for a guy who's done it. This is paying for a guy who's already had two really good years. Uh, It it reminds me a lot of Harper, right? Harper didn't put up the second-round fantasy stats before last year. But we knew the skills were there, and we knew there were pieces of it that he had put up over his first three years that it was all there. It was just waiting to happen. And maybe this guy's not the pedigree Hall of Famer that that Harper is. Maybe he's a step below that as just elite prospect, elite player coming in the league, not all-time player maybe. But it's the same sort of breakout potential, and he's also a couple years closer to his prime. So uh, to me, the the quick pick's easy for me. I'm not even – I don't even sweat that one. And then Cueto – he had a little hiccup in Kansas City, but assuming that uh, we talked about this last week, that the Giants checked him out and did their due diligence before giving him all that money. I mean, Cueto in that park to me is, is a lock. The Cueto of last year in that park is a lock to be a top 10 pitcher and probably top five. I don't know about lock. You saw his first pitch right the other day, a liner off his head, right? Yeah, he's all right, though. He's, he's all right. right. He's all right. No, I hope you're right. I mean, that I might have that just like opened him up. You know, that was like a night. That was the, the wake up call he needed for this year. Yeah, exactly. Well, he stayed in the game and pitched three innings, so I hope you're right. I'm sure he's fine. Um, then uh, I'll tell you, round six, I took Zach Britton. Um, it was one of those six and seven are always the hardest rounds for me. It's where you're paying a decent amount, but you don't love anybody. So I decided because I only had two starters instead of three, uh, and the Cueto, you know, we'll see. Uh, how good he is this year, like if he's carrying over the the pre-Kansas City stats or not. I wanted to get some extra strikeouts. And that's one strategy you can do with these closers that strike out 80 or 90 is you're getting 20 to 25 extra strikeouts over the K-Rods and the Papelbons, the solid closers. And it's a way to bolster a mediocre starting rotation to give it a little boost is by adding a 25 extra, a plus 25 strikeout closer. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Hosmer, and I took Brantley. Brantley, I'm loving. I mean, he's probably going to be ready for opening day, it looks like. And people are still pricing him like he's missing a month. Yeah, no, he's going to end up on all your teams, it seems like. Stefania Bell told me he was going to be fine. After she told me he had a checkup, it went incredibly well. Now he's playing in a minor league game. He's probably going to play in a Cactus League game in a few in a few days. And we're still two weeks away from opening day. So, And she said that it's not going to hamper him. Once he's already back, he'll be back. 
I hope so. I um I my, I made one uh not really a long shot, but I made one bet on a team to win the World Series this year. That was the Indians at twenty three to one because I, I went over all my my divisions and I picked them to win that division, which is a wide open division by the way. A lot of good good teams. Um, but twenty three to one, and if they make the playoffs with that top three in in that rotation, those power arms Salazar, Kluber, and Crosco. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the Indians, so I hope Brantley's ready from day one. You know, what's interesting, though, and their bullpen may be good because McAllister may be okay and, and Cody Allen may be okay, and, and who's the other guy they have? I keep, oh, Brian Shaw is Shaw, okay. Shaw. But the Royals kind of inverted the whole thing. They, they didn't have good starting pitching. They had a good bullpen, and the Mets had the ace starting pitchers, and it turned out, you know, there are other reasons the Royals won the World Series, but it turned out, like, relief pitching was the – and now a lot of teams have gone out and copied that. The Yankees basically have three closers – the Orioles got a lot of, you know, they have good relievers, but it, the Red Sox did it with Kimbrel and Uhara. Uh, th- you know, they're they're like, all these teams are now loading up on the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, and kind of reversing the uh, elite starter way of of doing well in the playoffs. Yeah, well, really, I mean, they both matter. I mean, relief pitching obviously matters the postseason because you can just have such a quick hook. You know, if your starter doesn't have right. it, yank him in the third inning. Who, I mean, and then and then just make it a bullpen game. And especially in these days when there's off days so often in, in the postseason. But, um, yeah, I think Fangrass projects uh, the Royals to win like 77 games or something. But I'm not buying it. I mean, we've seen back-to-back years. I know that they've had some cluster luck or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I think Kansas City is going to be a, a legit contender once again. Yeah, I do too. And I, I, I really think the contact I, – I wrote this a long time ago. and We've talked about it. But the contact hitting – Yes, and, and putting the ball in play is really good for the postseason, but I think it's also good for close games, you know, because and it's good against better pitchers and better yep. pitchers. You got to beat them in low scoring games, which are more likely to be close. If, if there's 15 runs scored in a game, the odds that it's a one run game is slimmer than if there's five runs scored in a game because there's only a few ways to get to five and three to two is a common one, two to three, three to two. Right. So I think that when you have contact hitting, it does better in close games. Uh, overall, it doesn't really show up in the stats of you know creating more runs total. I think that it may be better against tougher pitching, and that's why the Royals may outperform their uh, Pythagorean uh, projections and, and everything else. So I'm, I would definitely take the over. I doubt Vegas has it at 77, though. It's they do not. Rest. No, they definitely don't. No, yeah. they have much higher, mid-80s. Yeah, a lot of these algorithms, they're, they're very good at figuring out what's usually the case, but they're not good at seeing why this thing is an exception. And I think there's a lot of money to be made uh, where you have a system or, or the market is based on the way things usually go. And that's why I like Dallas Keuchel. Again, a lot of regressions projected for him because extreme ground ballers do not have uh, low BABIPs. And I think that that is usually right to regress that. But I think Keuchel may be an exception because he allows such weak contact that assuming that's a sustainable skill, his BABIP is not an accident. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I agree. Okay. So there are outliers. There it's just a lot of, that's how you make your money. You got to pick your spots. Usually, the thing that that's you know the algorithm will be right, but there will be places where it just is totally blind, um, and so and where it's blind is where our human can come in and say, yeah, usually this would be the case, but they're missing this big factor where it's not. Um, okay, so we can keep going through this a little bit more. Adrian Beltre in the ninth. I'm a big Beltre guy. He actually put up a serviceable season with a sprained thumb. I don't know if you ever had a sprained thumb. Hitting major league pitching with a sprained yeah, thumb. Easy to hit. What's that? It can't be easy to hit. No, it's it's terrible. It's like your thumb's swollen. It really hurts. It's hard to grip. And he actually was like 18 homers, 80 ribbies or something like that last year, batted like 275. I think he's, he's what, 36, 37. 
and he's a Hall of Famer. And Hall of Famers, and this is a, a point that I'm pretty – I'm pretty sure of this, just watching guys over the years and just looking at the back of the baseball card when I was younger, uh, that guys who were 36, 37, who were legit Hall of Famers can still play. That there's almost no chance that a, a, a real Hall of Famer that's healthy is going to just fall off a cliff at 36. No, I love Beltre there. Okay, good. You agree? K-Rod, I need to get another closer. Then I got Ortiz. Again, so kind of same thing. I mean, he's super old, but he was great last year, and... I don't know if there's a big 39 to 40 drop off. So what do you think of Ortiz this year? I don't, I just don't understand an 11th round there. It just seems like robbery to me. I mean, I, he doesn't score a lot of runs is the one thing. If you look at his, his overall stat line, but he just still rakes. And why, why is he going to all of a sudden drop off now? Because six months later, I, I just don't get it. I, you got to love the environment. He's DH. I, I, I flip a coin between him. Someone actually just recently, a, a friend of mine asked, who would you prefer, um, Fielder or Ortiz? And I had a hard time coming up with which one. And, and, and Fielder went, what, three rounds earlier? Yeah, in labor, I got Fielder for 20, and I think Ortiz went for 18. And I thought they may have gotten the better bargain, although I still love Fielder at 20 in an AL only. Um, but No, I lo- yeah, I love Ortiz there. Okay. I guess people just don't like tying up their DH, I guess. But I, I, I don't know. I it doesn't matter in this, though, because you can draft bench. Right. It, it, right. it really it hurts you in those leagues where you can only draft starters because then you're really hamstrung and actually get prevented from taking a guy you might want later. Right, but this doesn't matter here. No, I think that's that's fantastic, Ortiz in the 11th. Okay, so you're down with that. So then I was like, wow, I only have two starting pitchers, and we're 11 rounds in. I had two closers, but I started to worry a little. A lot of pitching started getting off the board. After I took Ortiz, uh, Maeda went, um, Ventura, Steven Matz, Liriano, Darvish, Odorizzi, Carlos Rudon. Somebody foolishly took Lance McCullers. And then it was my pick, and I was like, I'm going to take two pitchers. But I knew – I was also like, I really want to get Byron Buxton. But I, maybe I'll wait another round because I need to get two pitchers here to kind of catch up on starting pitching. And I regret it because Buxton went after I took my two pitchers. And it turns out I got two more pitchers that I'm equally happy with, and I could easily have waited. Uh, so I made an error there. I just made a guess of when – you know, what was going to go off the board more quickly, pitching or Buxton, and, and it was Buxton. And I, I just want to have more shares. I have them in AL Labor, but I just think that it, well, there's an overall contest. I mean, Buxton can go 15, 40, 280 with 110 runs. I mean, it's, that's in play. We don't know how good he is. He, we just know that he's like the best athlete in baseball and the number one prospect. Yeah, Severino is your number three starter. does sound kind of funny on paper, but um, this one actually jumped out to me because I like him quite a bit. But I was surprised how aggressively you drafted him because your next three starters, Samarja, Chen, and Smiley – I'm guessing they're higher on, on ADP and almost everyone's ranks. Uh, I don't know about that. I think they're about even. They're all in the same general area. Um, I thought Severino, the guy throws like, what, 96? And oh, he's good. good. He's and, good. They're gonna, they're good. Gonna, they, they said they're going to give him 200 innings, right? What's that? I think they said they're going to unleash him 200 innings. No, no limit. They'll give him 200 innings. He has the stuff. Obviously, Yankee Stadium is not ideal. But he seems like a real just – He's got the goods, and we'll, we'll see you know, what happens the second, you know, the second season in the league. I really did not like Samarja. It was him or Smiley I was, I was choosing between at the time. And, um, I just, but I just thought, you know what, in that park, if, he, if he's the guy he was a couple of years ago, it's a steal. He's, gonna, you know, he's a 200-strikeout guy. Everything else is going to fall in line. If he sucks, he sucks. But I thought in round 13, Samarja could be a monster. What do you think of Samarja? They gave him a decent amount of money. What's your take on him as a giant? Yeah, I'm not. Um, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic. It's not just that part. It's also they project to have a really strong defense. Um, and uh, Buster Posey is 
quietly developed into one of the better, uh, you know, framing catchers too to throw to. So he has all the the advantages, uh, basically the opposite of what he had last year uh, pitching in Chicago. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope I hope he comes through. He throws really hard. Um, for some reason, he threw that cutter a lot more last year. And I know the pitching coach Cooper is is, is really good in Chicago, but so is Rigetti in San Francisco. I, I hope they they turn more back to that forcing fastball. And um, yeah, I could, I could see a path to him, as you said, 200 strikeouts and and cutting a you know run and a half off his ERA. Yeah, so I, so I gamble on that. But then you know the next two rounds there were two more. I was going to take Travis Darno, who I really like as a second catcher, but he went right before me. So I took Chen, who I took in the other draft. I just think in Miami, there's as long as he's healthy, there's no way for him to fail. I mean, he survived in Baltimore. He's going to be good in Miami. And then Drew Smiley, who I don't know how long he'll last, but whenever that guy pitches, he's really good. No, Smiley has like legit like top twenty fantasy starter upside if he stays healthy. He's really, really good. Right. So so my philosophy was kind of like pay up for two aces and then don't pay for the Tyson Ross, um Marcus Stroman, even though I like Stroman, Michael Waka, um who else was in that? Carlos Martinez, who I like because Stefania said he'll be fine. But still in the ninth round, I thought it was a little risky. I liked Verlander, but he went in the 10th instead of the 12th where I got him last time. Tanaka, obviously the injury worries. Salazar in the 6th is too early. Richards in the 6th for me is too early. I didn't want to pay up for that tier. So what Where did Jaime Garcia go? What's that? Where did Jaime Garcia go? He went after. I had so many starters. He actually went in the 17th. Oh, wow. Who I really like. I have him in the other league. Um, but it was just, you know, I had already pretty much filled up my pitching. Uh, and I ended up with Gossman in the 18th. Oh, I like Pineda in the 16th, too. Yeah, I don't like Pineda. I don't, it's, there's something wrong with him. I mean, with that strikeout-to-walk ratio, he should have been one of the best pitchers in the league last year. But he wasn't. I and, think it was bad luck, too, because I know it's easy to just point to, um, you know, home runs, you know, fly ball ratios, bad luck, but he pitches in Yankee Stadium and all that. But the guy throws a ton of sliders, and he gave up more homers to right-handers than lefties. So I really just think that was bad luck. I think he's going to go crazy as long as he stays healthy. That's my take. Yeah, I don't trust him. It reminds me of Marco Estrada that year a few years ago where he had the crazy strikeout-to-walk right. ratio. And everyone's like, Marco Estrada, it's, you know, he's going to blow up. Well, Estrada was good last year. He was actually good last year. Two years later, having, three years later, having totally not struck out anybody and walked a lot more. He totally changed who he was. But he was, he was pretty good last year. But that was kind of a... He's a different pitcher now. I gotta say, it takes some guts to take Severino four rounds ahead of Pineda. Yeah. Oh, really? I I just like him much better. I mean, Pineda throws ninety two now. Severino's at like ninety six, ninety seven. Dude, his peripherals are, are out of control. Good. Yeah, but I, I. Okay, so this is one of those things where I think the algorithm gets it wrong. Like normally, a guy with a one fifty six to twenty one strikeout to walk ratio in one hundred sixty innings has like a two seventy ERA, right? And has like a one oh two WHIP. But this guy had a 437 ERA and a 123 whip. How is that possible? Yeah, he gave up home runs, but he only gave up about six more home runs than average. It's not like, you know, I mean, he gave up home runs, but it wasn't a crazy number of home runs. He gave up 21. It's like, what is wrong with this guy that he's so hittable? His BABIP was 343. I mean, they were crushing him. And he only, he was a ground baller. So, you know, this BABIP gets through. A little more that Yankees D. I mean, Gregorius is pretty good. I'm not really sure why he got hit so hard last year. He might very well be an outlier, as as you pointed out. But um, guys with that, uh, you know, K minus walk percentage and that ground ball percentage and that swinging strike percentage, 
that those three combination, I mean, that's like a, a top seven starter or something. That that's ace material. That's Cy Young material. What he's putting together there. But yeah. I don't believe I don't believe in the stock screener method of uh, finding pitchers, like that K minus walk garbage. I think it's garbage. How so? Because I just think we all can just look at the stats. I don't need to do K minus walk. I can tell that this is a great set of peripherals. Why is the ERA so high? If his ERA were like three thirty or something like that last year, and you know, and he and his WHIP were like one fifteen, I could say, yeah, he maybe was a little unlucky. But when it's this out of whack, it makes me think there's something wrong with him. Why is he so hittable? Why is he getting hit so hard? There's some luck involved sometimes with this kind of thing. But when it's extreme, I wonder. Right, but I'm, I'm just saying that there aren't bad pitchers with really with the, with really strong K minus walk percentage. There, are, I mean, there there aren't any. Well, no, there's outliers like Estrada was a couple years ago. Everyone said he was going to have a huge breakout. He did not. Um, there were other ones like Mike Fires had a crazy strikeout rate a couple years ago. Um, there, there's guys who come and go like that, who Aaron Harang had some ridiculous ones for a while. He was okay. Uh, Ricky Nolasco had some, there's those, there's those extreme strike throwers where everything's over the plate. And, you know, sometimes guys swing and miss. Sometimes they take it for a called strike and sometimes they drill it. And it's here, usually- the, here are the top 15 last year. Kershaw, Sale, Scherzer, Carrasco, Kluber, Bumgarner, DeGrom, Arietta, Archer, Price, Harvey, Lester, Cole, Granke, Salazar. Yeah, right. All very dominant pitchers. Yeah, and what were their ERAs, all those guys? They're all really good. Yeah, and so, right, I mean, you could look at it the other way, right? Like, why why does one guy have a terrible ERA? Right. No, no, I mean, Pineda's, by the way, if he had qualified, he would have been, like, ninth or something, um, uh, in between. Yeah, nine. of course. 156 so, to 21 with the 1.84 ground ball ratio is ridiculous right so he may be an outlier correct but i'm just saying that no i'm not arguing that um but i'm saying that 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 is a stat that that almost for the most part you know is is telling is what i'm saying it's it's telling but we know okay so we know certain indicators we know strikeout to walk ratio and strikeout to innings pitched all those things are important we already know that right and so we know who's got a good peripherals and who doesn't and then here's a guy with Amazing peripherals, not just good. Amazing. He walked right, twenty-one he's guys. Monster ground ball rate too. Yeah, and he keeps the ball down, and yet people were crushing him. Right? They were hitting out of the park, and they were hitting everything for base hits. And I, I wonder why is that? You know, was he just giving up a million bloop singles, a million wall scraping home runs? Do you want to do uh, who? Who should we do? Pineda versus who? Severino. I'll, I'll go straight up. Yeah, I'll go Severino over Pineda. Twenty bucks. Right. Twenty bucks. Okay. okay. Email me. Email. Okay. Me. All right. Yeah, I just don't trust it. If, again, if his ERA were just a little out of whack, I'd say, okay, he was unlucky. If his ERA is way out of whack, I think, okay, he may fall under the category of extreme strike thrower. And the guy who, here's the guy who's like the opposite of that is Tom Glavin. Tom Glavin never had big strikeout game ratios, strikeout to walk. He would nibble. He would, he would not give in on three and two. He'd just put a guy in base and face the next guy. And that's the opposite. That's like the guy who will not let you crush him. He will not let you hit anything hard or hit home runs. And so I think there's, you know, that's the, you know, it's like the movie Unbreakable. You have Mr. Glass and you have Bruce Willis, right? Sometimes I think within these sets of peripherals, you have, you know, a guy who has bad peripherals, doesn't, you know, nibbles, doesn't give in and is Tom Glavin. He's masterful at it. And then you have the guy who has the beautiful peripherals, but everything's over the plate. He's an what I consider an extreme strike thrower when he should not be throwing that many strikes. By the way, everyone hates Shyamalan, but I actually like that movie. 
Yeah. No, he's got a lot of bad movies, but that movie was all right. I mean, it was simplistic, but it was all right. Right. Um, and uh, I, do, I do have this fantasy, and I hope it doesn't come true tomorrow, of being the sole survivor of a plane crash. <laughs> you know, like just being like, oh, crap, I'm the only one that made it. You know, I just had this weird twisted fantasy about that, that I'm going to be the sole survivor. Uh, yeah, I saw you text Heather that. She said, how was the flight? He said, I did. That? I texted her that. Yeah, she said, how was the flight? I was like, ah, crash, but I was the sole survivor. Um, all right, we'll go over a couple That's more. That's a normal fantasy, normal fantasy to, for someone to have. I just, you know, it's just kind of like I always think, yeah, I mean, what if I was the only one that survived? Um, all right, so uh, a couple more. I do write the survivor column for NFL, too. This is just taking it to another level. So I took Marcus Semien again in the 16th round. I don't know why he lasts that long. Uh, one thing that I've discovered in this draft pool is that in a 12-team mixed, you can just wait forever on middle infielders. Yeah, no, that's that's great, great there, 16th round, yeah. Then I took Mezzarocco. I just kind of doubled down. You know, when you start to get in, like, the pl- more than 15th round in a 12-team mixed, it's all about just swinging for the home run every pick. Right, it's oh, just. I, I mean, Mezzarocco was a stud a couple of years ago, and then Wellington Castillo went in the same round and vote the round later for a two catcher league. It looks like you can wait on them as well. Yeah, well, I I just figured okay, I'm going to be a little light at corner and maybe the end of the outfield, but I'll have Posey and Mezzarocco as my catchers. So if I can pick up an outfielder or two during the course of the season, which isn't usually too hard in the 12 team, um, I feel like the offense can be really good. You can hit 25 homers easily. Yeah. So if he, he and Posey, I mean, think about that, what they're getting me versus sort of the run-of-the-mill catcher. Totally. I, I like it. Okay, then Gossman. I got into a big debate with Sporer about that. I don't know if Gossman's going to be good. I really don't know. I know he struck out 103 in 112 innings last year, only walked 29. Um, he's in a bad division, obviously. But the team will score runs, and the guy throws 95-plus. I mean, this could just be the year that the light bulb goes on. And we were arguing about him versus Julio Tehran, who went in the 15th. But I was saying in a 12-teamer where I'm looking for upside, I'll take Gossman straight up. If we're in sort of an only league, if they, you know, obviously they're not going to be in the same only league. But in NL labor, I could understand like paying you know, a buck or two more for Tehran than Gossman, although I wouldn't. I'd spend it on someone else. But I could understand it at least. I mean, Tehran went in the same round as Smiley. Um, but in a, in a situation where I'm looking for upside, I have no interest in Tehran. He's not a big strikeout guy. His team is not going to score enough runs to get him wins. And then, you know, you're just hoping he bounces back from his bad whip and ERA, even though his good whip and ERA the two prior years weren't supported by his peripherals. So I don't so, really, I don't really, I don't really see, see it. Yeah, I had Tehran last year in labor. I've watched him quite a bit. I, I'm not big on him whatsoever. Um, I suggest everyone go to your Twitter feed and, and, and read that debate. It was highly entertaining. I'm very big on Joe Ross, who went around later than Gossman. That's who I would have targeted personally. But but I like Gossman, so especially three rounds, four rounds later. I, I mean, I'm, I'm on your side there. Yeah, I yeah. just don't I see just it. Don't I mean, maybe Tehran has some, some you know swing the strike rate magic, and it turns into strikeouts. I'm getting some like echo feedback. Are you like putting your mic too close to the speaker or something? No, I'm leaving it the same as it's been always. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's very annoying. Very annoying. And I bet it's going to come out on the uh, thing, and it's going to be unlistenable, even more unlistenable than it usually is. All right, maybe one way. Okay, so uh, did you just change something? I heard you do something. No. Uh, All right, I blame you for pretty much anything that goes wrong on this podcast. I know, which is great because I do a a Yahoo podcast two two times a week for the since July, and there's never been one problem. 
But every time it happens on on ours, it's 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 you're certain that it's my fault. Um, that, yeah, I'm certain that it's your fault. I don't know what the cause is, but whatever it is, it's your fault. Right. Anyway, you can comment on any others. We'll wrap it up. We don't have to go through every single pick. Um, thing I'll say real quick is that Casimir, boy, people are really discounting him with this decreased velocity uh, reports in spring because 21st round. I mean, the setup with throwing to Grandal and, and Dodgers. I mean that. I mean he could be you know massive upside. But boy, people. People really, really obviously discounted him with this recent velocity reports. Yeah, I just saw him sitting there, and I was like, yeah, maybe he sucks. I can always drop him. It's the 21st round, but who knows? That could be a staple in my rotation all year, right? He could be like a 310 ERA guy with 190 strikeouts, and you just leave him in. That's You love those guys. That was like John Lackey last year. I had John Lackey, and he just paid the bills, man. He just You just left him in all year, and you didn't worry about him. I mean, it's so great to get a guy like that in the middle or late rounds. No, yeah, I love him. I love him there. Okay. And then the one thing I kind of screwed up is I, I shouldn't have backed up Will Smith with Jeremy Jeffress because I passed on Trevor Story, and that was stupid. I mean, just Trevor Story has so much upside in Colorado, and he's probably going to be the guy. I mean, we don't even know if Jose Reyes is going to play this year. Yeah, the Rockies are notoriously don't you know, give their young guys an early chance, but man, he's raking in spring and, and, and who knows, Reyes could have a lengthy suspension. So yeah, story starting and, short stuff for, for the Rockies. Absolutely. A lot of upside and, and a prospect with a little bit of pedigree. I mean, it's not like he's some right. scrub. He's not like some right. field only shortstop. And then also I was just dumb. I, I was just, I was like, Oh, I got to, you know, back up my guy. That was just, that was definitely a coward pick. That was a cowardly pick. And I just should have looked up and been like, Oh wait, story's there. And the other thing about story is even if Reyes comes back, say, say he's, only suspended for a month. I think it'll be more, but let's just say it's a month. Um, if Story's raking, it's not like they're going to force Reyes in there. It's 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 over for him. If, if Story's playing well, Reyes, I don't know what they'll do. Maybe they'll release well, him. Reyes bitched after getting traded there, and obviously this domestic abuse thing. They want to trade him. They don't want any part of Reyes. Yeah, it's going to be All hard, right. though. It's like not a good PR thing to acquire right. a player who's abused his wife. Right. So it's... Um, and and Reyes is just not a very dynamic player anymore. So no, he's not. No, yeah. So it's he's it's not. They're not going to be a lot of uh, takers. Um, the moral of the story is don't do don't commit any crimes uh, when you're on the downside of your career. It's a very bad idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There may be other morals to the story, but that's one of them for sure. Sure. All right. I think that's a good note to wrap things up on. You got anything else to add? No, I'm just excited for March Madness. I actually do like this team. I wanted to rip it apart, but um, I, I, I like it. So you think it's got the goods? You think I might go the distance? It, it looks it looks pretty good. You know, I, I signed up for a, a a big time RotoWire one because it looked like it did the best um, the best return on value. I think it was like a fifteen hundred dollar RotoWire um, championship thing. I signed up for it on NFBC. Oh, nice! You're contributing to the cause. I am. Yeah, it looked like a really good like for, as far as winning your league. The amount of money you get back, and, and, and also a hundred thousand dollar prize. It looked like the best. Uh, well, you know, you know why it's probably good is because in the main event they've got to pay for all the you know the Bellagio and the spread and the food and the event. Whereas if you're doing fifteen hundred online, it's you know they don't it's not they don't have any real expenses, right? So they could probably put more of it into the payout. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but it just it looked like the best bang for my buck. So um so yeah, I'm doing a fifteen hundred dollar uh, Rotowire online championship. Nice donating money. It, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. A, yeah, you, it's like making a donation, and then and then what about the Yahoo Friends and Family League? Like, is Funson going to spring this on, spring that on us at the last second? Uh, that is Tuesday at uh, at twelve thirty. You haven't signed up for it. I signed up for the league, but I never got an email saying when it was. Oh well, it's on the side. It shows when the draft next is. Tuesday. 
Yeah. Shit, I can't make it. I believe it is. We'll talk to him. He, I've got I've got, an appo- I've got to email him because I got an appointment at the German consulate to get my uh, papers in order. To get well, my I'm sure he's flexible, per- but I mean, it shows it right on the site when they well, draft why would it. Somebody, no, but when you first signed up, it didn't show it. Oh, yeah. He must have, uh, added, he must have added the time, but you got to email people anyway. Yeah, you know Funston. I know who he is. All right, no big deal. Um, I was late to the uh, friends and family basketball draft because that was actually my fault, but he like emailed me the day before to get in it, and somebody picked – Anthony Davis first, and then I got auto-picked Steph Curry at second. I don't know if you've checked the standings. You probably haven't since you're so far out. I'm not so far out, but I've seen that you're doing pretty well. I mean, it's not just pretty well. I don't think – I think it's the best in history. Well, it makes sense. You weren't there to draft it yourself. Well, I know. Just one pick I missed, uh, and it was – I was happy. Auto-pick did well. Steph Curry was a good pick. But I lost my second-round pick in Blake Griffin. And all these people in the league, like, they do basketball as their number one thing, like so many of them. Not like you and Barons and Funston, but a lot of people do. Yes, and all I got the other like Gasol and Kemba yeah. Walker and Porzingis and and the Greek Freak. I mean, how did you guys let me draft all those guys? Yeah, I don't know. That's pretty good. We're in an intense battle, by the way, in League of Leagues. Uh, we're up like eight points on Jonah, but if you look at it, right. we're battling like six categories, just me, uh, just the two of us, and we're within uh. like ten of each. So it, you know, obviously, that's two point switch if he passes us. And there's nowhere else to uh, us to go, but you know, but down really. And he made these trades, but I've been on the waiver wire, and I've been really look, trying to maximize our starts. And I've actually been getting really into uh, in, into following the box scores each night. Perfect. So get some of those Memphis guys that aren't playing. You know, there's like all I, these... I spent almost the rest of our budget on Matt Barnes because he hits threes, blocks, and steals, and we're battling him in all three of those. And okay. you know, all those injuries, he, that guy's getting like 35 minutes a night. Beautiful. All right. Yeah. And if we have to make a trade, make a trade. We are not letting him catch us in this. I know. I'm, I'm on we it. We're not letting him with that. Trevor Plouffe for Chris Middleton. Are you fucking kidding me? I know. Why? I... Nobody says a word. I send that email out. Nobody says, yeah, that's ridiculous. The fuck? Hey, I hear you. I don't understand. Anyway, we got to win this. Just hold on. What, what's the date? The 16th. We got about a month left. There's a lot of time left. I know. No, I know. I'm, I'm following it every, every I mean, now. it gets totally ugly in April. It's getting ugly now. But, I mean, everybody's going to be sitting, and it's going to be crazy. So I know. The, the Greek freak gets us a triple-double nearly uh, every night. I know. I know. That was a great pick. And, like, Paul George in the fifth round, that was a great pick. It really was. All right. All right, man. Well, we'll check in on that. Um, I, you know, you know we, it's first place or bust for us in basketball. That was our strategy. I know. I know. All right. Actually, we, we have we have a surplus of outfielders. I was looking in baseball. We need we can we can make a move there. We're like loaded in outfield, but we need like a first baseman or something. So right. let's, we make, have let's make a move and maybe acquire a blocks guy like a Bismack Biombo or somebody in basketball for cheap. Yeah, yeah, because Whiteside is just carrying us. Whiteside is so awesome. That was such a good pick. We made so many good picks in basketball. Yeah, it really was. All right, man. All right, I'll, I'll later, catch list. up to you later. All right, All right later, later this podcast is sponsored by Fandle. You can go to Fandle.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD, and sign up now. Special offer for new users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. That's more than $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD. Fandle.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. 